This is Jewish Board Talk with Cherie Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. Once again, welcome to Jewish. Vanessa, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Cherise. Thank you so much for having me. Vanessa, let's start off by the vulnerable, the most vulnerable groups in society. Who are you referring to in your in your research paper? So um, this research paper is based on the data collected with the Hate Crimes Working Group. And um, the vulnerable, vulnerable groups actually spread over a wide variety of individuals, including um, religious minorities, um, sexually and gender diverse individuals, um, non-nationals, and so forth. Um, your data was collected over a, a large period of time. Who are the most vulnerable of your community members? When we look at these groups, is it the LGBTI? Is it foreigners? Who is really at this moment in South Africa presenting as vulnerable? Well, I think at the moment it's probably the LGBTI community. Unfortunately, they still um, end up being the victims of violence quite often, as well as non-nationals. We've seen in our recent history that we have these uprising and non-national violence against non-nationals with um, countless xenophobic attacks and um, large violent and um, incidents that destroy absolutely everything that non-nationals have. Right. So let's look at the difference between symbolic violence and um, overt violence. And just firstly, why is it important that we make that difference? Well, because we often focus our attention on the overt violence. It's what is reported in the media. It is what we um, hear the most about and what we're, I guess, um, more sensitive towards. We don't always realize what is happening when we are exposed to symbolic violence. And Vanessa, I know that you've kind of looked at six different ways that symbolic violence can take place. We have to take a break now, but after the break, we're going to look at that in more detail. This is Jewish Board Talk with Cherie Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. And I'm talking to Vanessa Stratford, who is a researcher at the Department of Psychology at Genesa, about a research project that she, together with her colleagues, have done on the relationship between overt and um, symbolic violence. Uh, Vanessa, we have already established who our vulnerable communities are. What way does symbolic violence work? So symbolic violence happens in everyday life without us even noticing. It is when we are expected to stay within the status quo of our identities um, it's often institutionalized, and we don't, um, as I've said, we don't even realize that it's taking place. Your research goes into quite a bit of detail about how um, the symbolic action takes place. For example, um, people are seen as less human or they are humiliated. Um, can you explore some of those different categories that you've got and just how they practically are taking place? So um, the category or the theme that came up the most was um, that people are seen as less than human or treated like animals. Like when a foreign national is told to sleep outside a police station after her husband was arrested. Um, while we have victim support systems in place and we have um, people who offer services to, to, to someone in her position, but she's not referred to them, because um, she's considered to be less than human in a way. You would tell your dog to sleep outside. Right. 
what, what is taking place in, say, the mind of a policeman? I mean, obviously, they're not dealing with an animal. They are dealing with a person. What, what is that thought process? Well, I would assume that the thought process is that we have, in South Africa, we have a constant struggle for resources. Um, we don't have enough to cover everything that all South Africans need. And now we have a lot of people coming in from other countries and they are in desperate need of these same services. So a policeman might in this situation feel that he would rather use his resources in helping a South African citizen instead of helping a foreign national. To what extent is it a rational decision and to what extent is it almost subconscious that people don't even know they're treating um, nationals so badly? Well, I think that it's it's mostly a, sub, a subconscious decision. I don't think we go out in our everyday lives and aim to treat people differently. It's that our minds use stereotypes in categorizing people, and then we react in certain ways towards certain people without thinking about it. And um, one of the other uh, one of the other themes that you look at is humiliation. Can we explore that? Yes. So um, what was very interesting in the in the stories that we collected were that it would go beyond physically harming someone. It is the actions are aimed at humiliating someone. And this humiliation often sends a message to others within that community. When someone who has um, been accused of being a witch is paraded down the street naked while being verbally assaulted and harassed. It also sends a, a message to all the others around her that might fall within the same category, who might be acqu- accused of being a witch as well, for them to step back and um, be aware that if they were to step into the public space more, they will be treated in the same way. In a way, I mean, that's also dealing with kind of political. I mean, witches would not be something I would consider a minority group but it's almost a political label, Vanessa. Yeah, so I think it's we have such a diverse culture and the same goes with religion and traditional religions often do still consider um, witches to be a problem. So yes, it is definitely a political but also a religious problem. When we look at, at people as um, an outsider from that point of view, um, okay, so then the other the other theme that you picked up is the victim is to blame. How does that work? Yeah, so often the victim is told that, see, if you didn't dress this way or if you didn't behave in this way, this wouldn't be happening to you. So it, in a sense, puts the blame back on the victim. The offender gets to um, kind of ease their own conscience, I would expect, in saying that, but you were asking for this. Mm. Mm. You know, um, Vanessa, within the Jewish community, we always kind of refrain and continue to re- repeat the word. What starts with words end in action. And what you're saying, it's not just words. It's action as well as words. But ultimately, these things do end in action and they do end in, in violence or not. What is your comment? Yes, I do think that the, the whole purpose of the article was to explain how Words and um, actions end up working together. When we can't control someone with words anymore, it becomes necessary to control them with actions. And unfortunately, in, in these circumstances, it is violence. 
as as we know, we are looking to pass a hate crimes law in the country. To what extent do you think legalizing this issue will make things better? And to what extent is education and kind of preventative action useful? And what do you suggest? So um, as for the law, I think that it's important for us to have this bill because it serves more than one purpose. The bill is also symbolic in the way that it tells people that we are not going to um, tolerate this type of behavior. So without the law in place, we're expecting society to have a moral value that might not exist. The law then symbolically creates this moral value, as well as giving um, victims some way to go, a resource to help them in these situations and to protect them in a way. Um, I think education is extremely important. And if the more we can teach our children from a very young age that there's nothing wrong with diversity, we're actually so um, lucky to live in such a diverse country. Um, I think that would be really important, that one thing is not less. Being different doesn't mean less. Yeah, it's sensitivity training all around. And it sounds like, you know, the, the, one thing is to start with our children. And the second thing is to start with officials who are in positions of power and um, who regularly come across um, victims of such kinds of abuse. Yes. Including hospital staff. Yes, hospital staff, definitely. And our police officials, um, I think that they don't always realize and they don't always take the um, the victim seriously. Yeah, it's very hard to be in a foreign national in South Africa and, and indeed minorities that are considered the other. Vanessa, um, yes. the next step for you and your research department, what, where to from here? So um, we're hoping to do some more write-ups from the data that we have already collected and then we're hoping to expand the project into the other provinces in the country since this project um, only took place in five provinces. We'd like to know what is happening in other provinces as well. Um, Vanessa, thank you so much for joining me. If anybody would like to get a copy of this um, report or learn more about the information that you do, get access to information, what would you recommend? So for the community-based report that was released from by the Hate Crimes Working Group, you can visit their website um, and you will be able to access it there. This... Um, Report I know is available on my ResearchGate profile, but I'm sure if anyone would contact me, um, it would be I would share it without any problem. Okay, perfect. So anybody can contact Vanessa, and if you want Vanessa's contact details, you can certainly contact me. Vanessa, thank you so much, and to you and your team, including Professor Jean-Nel, I wish you luck in this really important research that you do and um, educating our communities further. Thank you so much, and thank you for the opportunity to raise awareness.